Thank you to our sponsors, Open Society Foundation, an organization that works to build vibrant and inclusive societies whose governments are accountable and open to participation of all people. Why Tell Black Stories is so impactful is because these are narratives that aren't always in like our, our mainstream school system or just mainstream systems of storytelling. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Tell Black Stories podcast. Today, I'm the host, Rashad Robinson, president of Color of Change. The Tell Black Stories podcast was created as an extension of our Color of Change Hollywood work, an initiative changing the rules in Hollywood, ensuring that accurate, diverse, empathetic, and human portrayals of black people on television and throughout the media landscape. Today, we're happy to welcome award-winning actress and activist, Yara Shahidi. Today, she is here to talk about her new movie, The Sun is Also a Star, a teenage love story set in a backdrop of immigration reform policies, tearing millions of families of color apart. Yara, I am so excited to have you here. No, thank so you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. And thank you for all of your incredible work, for your visibility, um, and for all the power you're building for so many folks. Well, um, thank you for paving the road. I appreciate it. Your new movie, A Son is Also the Star, it's a modern day story, and it's of you playing a Jamaican immigrant who's facing deportation, who falls in love with a, a Korean immigrant. You know, as you took on this role, there was probably a lot of responsibility. The stories on the portrayals of black immigrants are oftentimes left out of the narrative, left mm -hmm. out of the debate. How did you approach this? How did you think yeah. about that? Yeah, um, well, I think first and foremost, I turned to the book. I mean, Nicola Yoon, uh, the incredible author, has kind of, even though this is not her story, it's loosely based off of her relationship with her husband, her being Jamaican and her husband being uh, of Korean descent. And so approaching the book first and reading about Natasha, the one thing that was really present in the book that I wanted to make sure translated into the movie was this idea of humanity. I mean, being mm -hmm. first generation on my Bubba's side, the story of immigration is like, what has shaped our family, what has shaped my larger community, my idea of, uh, who I, I deem as my community as well. And when portraying Natasha, it was important to be able to provide people the same understanding that their community expands past who they initially think it is. And it was also, and to your point, there was that responsibility of, of course, this is a romance film, but we never wanted to trivialize the topic of deportation and immigration. It wasn't going to become just the stakes of it, but genuinely a conversation around this is what it means for this young human to be facing deportation. This is what it means for her family. This is what it means for her on an interpersonal level. And that interpersonal piece is mm -hmm. such, it's so powerful in storytelling, right? It can get us beyond mm -hmm. the politics, beyond the debate. It can help open up right. um, an avenue for people to, you know, have deeper understanding. For sure, and I, that's why it was so important to be really specific with how we told the story and really um, understanding and drilling down on, like, why does she want to stay here? Why, what are the stakes of, we have this first interaction, Hill Harper plays one of the first lawyers I meet with, and it leads to a very interesting interaction because it kind of sets up, like, what she's been facing um, mm -hmm. in that he is this lawyer who's like, well, it's not too bad, you're going back to Jamaica. Yeah. and. It speaks to this larger conversation of so many times, you know, as people who aren't involved in the actual action, we justify what's happening to other people. Yeah. Like, oh, well, it's not too bad because there's this, 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 or mm -hmm. oh, there's a loophole here, or whatever it may be, we're justifying things on other people's behalves without mm -hmm. understanding that their pain is pain nonetheless, no matter what 
like, however you contextualize it, you can't get rid of the fact that people are going through painful and traumatic experiences. This um, this year we launched a campaign in support of Twenty One Savage, yes, in support of a in, in conversation and relationship with a mm -hmm. lot of grassroots activists. It was the biggest campaign that we've run this year mm -hmm. in terms of number of people signing and taking mm -hmm. action. And when we looked deep into the numbers, we saw a huge amount of action and activism of folks between 18 and 24, mm -hmm. sort of more than we see on other efforts. As we, as an organization, look to engage them, I know uh, you as a visible person that people look to and ask, how did you get involved? Right. How did you take that next step? For so many people that this may be the first thing that they've done, maybe right. outside of voting, if they voted. What advice do you have for us as an organization as we engage those folks, but also as those young people who are taking that step on their journey? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be you right away as someone who's deeply engaged in a lot of causes, yeah. but they're on their road. Oh, for sure. I think there are a couple things. Um, just the one thing that I always stress, no matter what you're doing, is have a support network. And I mean, we already talked about the people that we have in common, and th those people, whether it be Patrice or, or Michael Skolnick, they're mentors to me in terms of there's so much that I know I don't know. And it's really amazing to be able to turn to people who have been doing this work and continuing to expound and to take a moment to learn from them, to take a moment to be really receptive. And I, I feel like every single time I hear one of my mentors speak, I get motivated again. And it, it helps me really, it inspires me because when I hear them speak, it's not like, okay, I wanna do exactly what they're doing, but it, it begins the process of brainstorming. What can I do to contribute to this in a way that only I can contribute? Yeah. And it, it helps because again, you're, you're meeting with people that are helping you make sense of the world. First and foremost saying you're not going crazy. The world is a crazy place. And we do have to acknowledge that. And being a part of that support network has made it really um, a moment of, of bonding to be in this journey together with people. And you feel less alone rather than feeling like it's me versus the world. And if I'm not doing anything big, then it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Versus like, no, we're a part of a community. Then each and every one of us are making small pieces of change that really matter. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is just education of like, I mean, I'm just a history nerd first yeah. and foremost. And so I contextualize everything with history. Mm -hmm. But everyone has a different way of learning. And I, I think it's really empowering mm -hmm. to whether it's just learning about your own cultural heritage, whether it's contextualizing like, okay, what is the Supreme Court case that everyone's talking about right now? And you can do that through podcasts, through books, through Tumblr, through Twitter, all of that. But having a kind of supplementary curricula of sorts is really empowering, especially when you're approaching work like this and why Tell Black Stories is so impactful is because these are narratives that aren't always in like our, our mainstream school system or just mainstream yeah. systems of storytelling. And it's then difficult when you're trying to approach or do the work because you don't even have the foundation to understand like, this work has been done before. We're yep. building on a lineage of people yeah. who have committed to doing this work. Um, these are the many like steps forward we've taken. These are the steps back that have happened. And when you're able to grasp that, I, I think the world feels a little less just insane. Yeah. Um, as a history buff, yeah. you know, uh, who would you, if you could, if you could sit down at the oh, dinner table easy. with with folks who like you've deeply admired who yeah. are no longer with us. Mm -hmm. I, it's always been James Baldwin for me. Oh my God, that's <laughs> actually like, I, I have fear that I wouldn't be quick enough, but tell me right. why. Um, um, yeah. Well, James Baldwin, I remember the first piece I read of his it was Sonny's Blues, which was a short story. Um, and there was something about the way he wrote, just as, as somebody where I got into acting, not necessarily because I watched much TV at all, I, I didn't watch much, but because I read so many books and I loved storytelling. 
And so to read his work, I think what I loved was that he wrote about the black condition, now in no way trivializing the pain that we're going through, but in no way undermining just how much there is to celebrate. And I love the fact that you can hold those two truths yeah. of like, yes, there's oppression, there's discrimination, there's things that we face on a daily basis that are complete, like being berated on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, look at the beauty of our community, look at the, the just the glow, the everything about how he writes, I yes. think is in celebration of us. Um, and then also just in terms of being an author who is politically engaged and who actively had to make that choice. Yeah. You know, even when you hear about his journey if he goes to Paris, but he comes back because after the death of Medgar Evers and, and Martin Luther King, he's like, "That's those are my brothers mm -hmm. and I have to come back. And mm -hmm. I, I feel like he's uh, just set an example of just how I would love to maneuver through the world. Is there a particular moment for you? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you talked about right. uh, Baldwin's moment. Mm -hmm. Is there a moment for you that sort of animated mm -hmm. um, there's all sorts of choices you could right. have made in terms of how to use your voice yeah. as a visible person. And, and, and many of those would have been perfectly fine, right? right? But you've made particular conscious choices about mm -hmm. that. And so is there something that, you, as you look back, mm -hmm. this, is, this is the moment where I made that choice? Right. I mean, there are a couple moments. I yeah. think I just have to contextualize it all by just it's how I've been raised. Yeah. You know, the name of my corporation, which I had to name it Aid is Dharma Driven, but to be driven by purpose. Yeah. And my parents set that really clearly just for, for me and my brothers, this idea of when you, when you receive, you give. And it, in the most basic structures, the one thing you'll hear my mother always saying is that money is supposed to flow. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not supposed to just be stockpiled, but when you receive, you, you give it. And, and then again, being multicultural, I, I think my parents also made it a priority for us to not only know about our own heritage, but to then say, well, this is, you're a part of a larger global community. And so now here we're going to teach you about cultures you may not know about, mm -hmm. religions you may not know about. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think my sense of community has always been greater. And so I, 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 I guess I would phrase it as like, always having that inspiring and motivating indebtedness when you realize how much has had to come together, how much has had to just happen in your favor for you yeah. to exist where you are today. Yeah. How can you not then turn around and, and just give thanks by, by trying to continue that work? Um, but then certain moments in my life have been like, when I was 14, it was one of the first times I spoke on a panel. It was the um, maybe a new 15. It was the Image Awards symposium before mm -hmm. the, it was the day before Image Awards yeah. and they had a symposium. And it was one of the first times in which I had been asked to speak outside of the context of blackish. Yeah. Um, in which they were not just uh, engaging me as an actress, but they were like, I was on, I was there with um, Jose Vargas, yeah. who runs Define America, mm -hmm. and um, a couple other people who run like major philanthropic organizations. Mm -hmm. And to be at that young age and to see the fact that my voice mattered in a way that people were really listening um, inspired me to say, okay, well, now that I know this, how do we, how do we get in front of this and, and start having conversations that we think haven't been had or really need to be had? Yeah. Um, and, and so that was a really empowering moment for me. You know, I don't know yeah. how many, I feel really privileged to be a 14-year-old, 15-year-old and to be given that platform. Absolutely especially by large organizations to say, hey, we want to hear you talk. Yeah, yeah no, that's fantastic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, part of the work that we're doing at 
uh, color of change through Tell Black Stories is to empower black creatives, mm -hmm. to create the landscape for more folks of color, more black folks in particular, to right. tell their stories. Sometimes that means we've got to push hard on the industry yes. and call the industry out. Sometimes that means that we have to do everything we can to celebrate those mm -hmm. who have gotten through the door because we know when a Ava DuVernay or uh, Ryan Coogler or Yaya yeah. Shahidi gets a chance, they're gonna bring more people with them. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about what that's meant for you um, right. in terms of the tribe, right. of people around you, and sort of um, what does it mean um, for you to have uh, black folks, people mm -hmm. of color, who are able to tell these stories, to have right. the platforms, to uh, create the narratives that will shape our society. Yeah, I mean, it's of the utmost importance. I, I think uh, so many times when we talk about representation, it's so much more than, oh, I just want to see myself. There's so many implications in that, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so I think oftentimes the conversation gets stunted to just, I want to see myself, versus like seeing yourself and having other people see you means the world, yeah. especially in a day and age in which media has become one of the main ways in which we receive information in which we, we understand or contextualize our world. It sets social norms. And so to be able to have black creatives is of the utmost importance, uh, not only because it affects what you see on screen, but it creates infrastructural change. Yeah. And that's the one thing we're always talking about. And I think to your point before about this idea of when one person gets in, we're all getting in, yeah. that's what's been my favorite thing about these projects is not even necessarily what I get to make on screen, but what we got, get to do off screen. It's, it's what we get to do in terms of having a creator of the show who's like, Yara, what writers do you want here? You know, having a creator of the show who makes who makes quote unquote risks that you don't even realize give you the best reward ever of saying this person may not have a traditional resume, but they're so smart and have so much to to give. And so let's bring them into this experience. And this may be their first credit that lets them go pitch their show, mm -hmm. that lets them go make their own thing. And I, I think the fact that off of blackish, off of grownish, off of this, we'll have the ability for people to spawn their own projects mm -hmm. has been the most fulfilling part of it. Because ultimately, I don't want to be the face of. Mm -hmm. The goal is never to be the face of. Yes. Yeah. The goal is to say I'm more than happy in being in, in being one of many faces and that goes to that sense of the tribe Absolutely. and that goes to the sense of why we have to celebrate other creatives, why we have to be of support and, and find ways in which we can engage one another. When you uh, talked about uh, Baldwin, you talked about mm -hmm. his sort of multifacetedness, yes. which I just think it's great. You know, so often when uh, black stories are discussed or black people are discussed, the pain is centered. And mm -hmm. we, we try to work a lot at centering black joy. Yeah. Black joy is not the absence of pain, but mm -hmm. is the presence of aspiration. And focusing oh, people's that. activism and engagement on what we want and what mm -hmm. we're fighting for. So it doesn't mean we're not fighting against stuff at the right. same time, but it means that black people have always been able to create and write their own mm -hmm. story for liberation. And, and so you, as an entrepreneur, as an activist, have created your own platform mm -hmm. to give young people um, the ability to tell their stories, to mm -hmm. share their ideas. I'd love to hear you just share a little bit about that with yeah. our folks um, in ways that they can plug into what you're doing. Okay, amazing. So we started 18 by 18, which is moving to the larger moniker of We Vote Next this year, and initially just started um, targeting midterm elections. Mm -hmm. And the goal was um, to really 
help first-time voters, including myself, make sense of midterms, make sense of what's at stake. And again, like there's a reason that midterms aren't advertised to certain people, why they aren't advertised to my generation, why they aren't advertised to people of color. They mean a lot. They may seem like the like halfway election that just happens between presidential elections, but that's how the Tea Party took control of the GOP. Like it's they single-handedly, you can point to the 2010 midterms as what has shifted our political sphere for the, the past nine years. Mm -hmm. And so it was really important um, as somebody who I realized, like, I have the privilege of, of having the time, the mentors, and the space to try and make sense of the news, to be able to invest time in watching, okay, NPR, then this, and that, then that. And not everybody has that time. Mm -hmm. And if I have that time and I'm still confused, I know other people are still confused. And it was really important in creating 18 by 18 to not only have that voter education part of it, but to really... Um, emphasize the importance of then giving people platforms to understand local issues, of saying, I know I'm on the West Coast, I know I'm in the, the LA bubble, so then how do we expand that platform to my peers to talk about local issues? When we held our first summit, every state was represented because it was important. We understand that East Coast, West Coast living is different, mm -hmm. um, that we understand just every political sphere is different, and so to give people to give back this platform to say that 18 by 18 is our collective platform to talk about voting issues that matter to all of us because ultimately they're more than voting issues, they're life issues. Thank you so much for being with us. We have to yeah, wrap up. Um, you. you know, we say a lot at Color of Change to not mistake presence for mm -hmm. power. You have built mm -hmm. both presence and power. And Thank we are you. so uh, proud of your work and so humbled to be in conversation and relationship you. with you. And so I just want to ask the question that I ask all of our guests mm -hmm. um, as we end this. What is the one story that has not been told about the community, right. about your community, about who you are, that you would love to see on the screen? Um, okay, the one thing that I always turn to, and I'll have to explain why, is we've never seen a catcher in the rye with our community centered. and. The reason that I always turned to Catcher in the Rye was that it was my favorite book when I was 13. And I, I turn back now and say, like, how in the world was this my favorite book? Like, there's nothing about it that's surface level relatable. This is this is a, a young white teenager roaming through New York with no fears of his safety or anything. He's just living and, and somehow makes it. And I think what Catcher in the Rye represents was my <clears throat> familiarity with whiteness so much so that I could relate to this journey that had nothing to do with me, that did not consider me in the making of it. And I think why I, I want to see us centered in a catcher in the rye is like, once you give somebody the right to just exist on screen, then it means that you've invested in their well-being because they don't have to be doing anything in particular for you to say, I care about you. And I, I think to your point, so many times we do have to center our pain and those narratives are extremely important, but I think it's also extremely important to normalize our right to exist and our right for you to care about our existence. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, black immigrants fall at the intersection of at least two marginalized identities, mm -hmm. as do many black people across the country. Can you talk about the importance of practicing intersectionality yeah. in your own activism? Yeah, well, I mean, to turn back to Baldwin's words, the one thing that I'm constantly reminding myself of is that we face the problem of, of pledging allegiance to a flag that has not pledged allegiance to us. Mm. And I think ultimately that's what a lot of the work is in, in saying that, and, and future, um, um, who's 
Black Lives Matter Toronto. Yes. Yes. Um, and Color of does. Change campaign manager. Yes. Uh, director. Cam yes. And Color of Change campaign manager. Oh my director. goodness, yes. love yes. future. But they yes. had said something yes. at the at the uh, 18 by 18 summit that was so impactful, and I'm going to yes. loosely paraphrase, yes. but they're basically saying, you have to bring other people that don't look like you into the room with you, because if you only advocate for yourself, all you're saying is you want colonial structures to work in your favor. Mm. Mm. And I, I think that yeah. speaks to the importance of intersectionality is because you can shift colonial structures or you can dismantle them. Yara, thank you so much for joining us. It was a true blessing to be in conversation thank with you. you. Happy to be here. And congratulations on A Sun is Also a Star at theaters around the country. And you can also stream the Tell Black Stories podcast where you stream your podcast.